0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Hardball Real Estate with JK, helping you hit home runs in your real estate business. All right, today's episode, we are going to be diving even further, right? Now, remember what we've been talking about, we've been covering this module, how to get a deal in 30 days or less, right? And so we've talked about, you know, the last we, we've talked, the, the first step of that was we talked about the fact that first you have to determine your exit strategy. What are you going to start with? What strategy are you going to do first? Right? Then we talked about, all right, let's determine if you're in the right market for that strategy. Cause maybe you are, maybe you're not right. So Next step is we have to do what's called qualifying areas. Qualifying areas, right? In other words, another way of of saying that is determining the right market for your strategy. Now, I'm going to tell you there is no such thing per se as a good market versus bad. I get that question a lot from my students, other investors, uh, students that I mentor, that I train, that I coach, Jay, you know, what's a good market? What's a bad market? Or they ask me, is, is, is the city that I live in a good market? Is it a bad market? Right? So here's the thing I'm going to tell you right now, you can do deals anywhere. Okay. You can do deals anywhere in the U S You can probably do deals anywhere outside the US as well. (laughs) Uh, I haven't really done a whole lot in the way of international investing as yet. I am looking at some stuff down in Costa Rica, Colombia, uh, Canada, although probably will stay away from Canada for a while. just because the numbers aren't as strong or solid as they are in, other, in the other two that I mentioned, Costa Rica and Colombia, right? However, does that mean there's no deals in Canada? No, of course there is. I have students that I have trained, coached, and mentored that live up in Canada. I have a business partner who lives in Toronto. She's a Canadian, right? <clears throat> so absolutely, you can do deals anywhere, now, with that all being said, I will also say that frankly there are gonna be deals or markets, I should say, where the deals are just better than in other markets. I mentioned in my last episode that, for example, you know, I live here in San Diego, California, right? And I don't do rentals here. I don't do rentals here. Now, I'm not gonna say I won't or that I'll never do rentals here. I've learned a long time ago, I never say never. (laughs) Why? Because the moment I say never, somebody proves me wrong, right? So, I'm not gonna say never. What I am gonna say is that unless things drastically change here in this market, I'm not gonna do rentals here, why? because the return on investment isn't as good as in other markets. As I mentioned before, I do most, about 98% of my rentals in the Midwest, with some in the South as well, okay? So bottom line is, what we're talking about, again, we're talking about qualifying areas. And what we're really looking for, we're looking for a couple of different key factors here to determine which markets are a good fit for your strategy. Now, when qualifying a market, when qualifying a a, a city, and when I say market, I mean city. Let me me just kind of clarify that. When I'm referring to market, I mean city, okay? So when we're qualifying a market, here's what we're looking for first and foremost. We are looking to determine if it's an emerging market, versus a declining market, an emerging versus declining market. Now, what does that mean? I'm looking for market. I'm looking for cities that are on the rise. Okay. I'm looking for cities that are improving. I'm looking for cities that are going up, not down. Right. Okay. Now what, let's break that down even further. What determines an emerging versus declining market, right? Okay, let's talk about this. Number one, we, 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 we really need to dive in and look at the major factors that determine emerging versus declining. Number one is jobs, jobs, right? And what do I mean by jobs? I mean, are jobs coming or going? Are jobs entering the market? In other words, are there more jobs being created in the market or are jobs leaving the market? Okay? It's a real simple concept, yet so many people overlook this. Okay? Go where the jobs are going. It's really simple when you break this down. Where The cities that have jobs are also the cities that are going to have deals. They're going to have houses that people want to buy or rent right it's just common sense so we're looking at jobs so the number one factor is jobs number two factor is we, they they call it population growth or population trends right that's a really fancy way of saying are people moving in or are people moving out okay it's just that simple so are people moving into the city or are people moving out of the city Okay. Bottom line is, which market do you think we want to be investing in? Right. I mean, we want to be investing where people are moving to. We want to be investing where people are looking for a place to rent or sell or I'm sorry, buy. Right. Right. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's, let's, let's give, let me give you some examples, right? So we're looking at different markets and I think I've mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. One of my major markets is Indianapolis. Love Indianapolis. It's where I do a lot of business. It's where a lot of my students, a lot of my colleagues and investors are doing business. Okay. Indianapolis. Another one I'll just throw out there is Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, right now, before you jump out, before you jump off this podcast, right before you jump off this show (laughs) and go running to Cleveland or Indianapolis, hold on. We're not done yet. Okay. You got to get even more specific and I'll get to that in a few moments. For now, though, the, why do I like those markets? Let's go back to jobs. Okay, if you look and do the research on those two markets, and um, they're not the only two markets, by the way. There's a lot of good markets, or a lot of emerging markets throughout the U.S. I'm just telling you two of my top picks. Um, when you look at the job grow or yeah, the job growth in those two markets, it's increasing. Okay, it's increasing, it's on the rise. Why? What's driving that? Well, this is where you have to look at things as an investor. So, for example, Indianapolis, what are some things that would cause, right, um, stable and steady job growth? Well, first of all, Indianapolis is the state capital. So, what does that mean? Right, it means jobs. It means jobs. So, in not only jobs, but government jobs. So, what that means is, generally speaking, I mean, you're talking about stable job growth, stable employment, all that good stuff. Another example of Indianapolis is uh, a company called Eli Lilly. Eli Lilly. Okay, Eli Lilly is, for those who have not heard of Eli Lilly, Eli Lilly is one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. In the world. So what does that mean? It means that there's going to be jobs. So that's just an example. Go to Cleveland, right? Go to Cleveland. Let me give you a big one that just recently happened. Cleveland just had Amazon move one of their distribution easy for me to say, <laughs> a distribution, there we go, uh, just moved one of their dis- distribution centers in Cleveland. Now, you don't have to be a business expert. I mean, all you have to do is pay attention a little bit to the news. When Amazon moves into a market, what does that mean? Right, jobs and lots of them right? So think about that for a second. Cleveland just had Amazon recently move into that marketplace. That's just, those are just examples of what I'm talking about. Now, number two, population trends, population growth, right? Are people moving in, moving out? Well, that's easy to find out. That's easy to do the research and determine what what's the population has been doing over the last several years. Has it been going up or down? Right? That's easy. Number three is the local economic scene. The local economic scene. What do I mean by that? Well, what are the major industries, major employers of that market? And how are they doing? Like, how are they doing financially? So, in other words, if you're looking at a market and and that and the major employers are laying people off, are downsizing, are you know closing shops or factories or branches or buildings or whatever, right? If they're if they're if they're shrinking, well, what does that mean? It means they're probably not doing well, and that's not a good sign for the market, right? Whereas the opposite is true. You know, let's go back to Indianapolis and let's go back to Eli Lilly. Eli Lilly, why is that a big deal, right? I I bring that up again. Well, not only are they, again, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the country, if not the world, and I said that before, they have been, over the last several years, have been very much involved with the city to help revitalize key neighborhoods throughout the city of Indianapolis, meaning... Eli Lilly has been actually throwing in its own money to the tune of tens of millions of dollars to help revitalize neighborhoods that have been historically the ghetto, right? (laughs) The hood. Well, think about this for a second. If you've got a company that's actively actively, actively donating money, services, time, whatever. They're collaborating with the city to help rebuild and to help uh, revitalize and and gentrify, you know, neighborhoods and parts of the city. What should that be telling you? Oh my gosh, as an investor, man, bells should be going off in your head (laughs) for a number of reasons. Number one, Number one, that tells you that Eli Lilly is doing pretty phenomenal financially if they've got that kind of money that they can put back into the community, right? Number two, what does that mean? Well, it means that they're trying to encourage growth, which means what? Now, why would they be trying to encourage growth? Well, because they're looking to hire more people, right? Nobody does anything. Let's just be, let's just, let's just say it like it is. Let's just be a thousand percent transparent, right i told you in, in my in the first episode i'm just going to say it like it is <laughs> i'm going to be blunt no sugar coating so let's just be transparent why why i mean let's put, let me actually put it a different way right so nobody in business does things for others just because they're nice i mean let's just let's just let's just call it what it is right Eli Lilly is not doing this out of the kindness of their heart, nor is any other corporation that does this kind of thing. Obviously, they've got their own reasons why, right? So at the end of the day, though, who cares? Who cares? If it's helping everybody, if it's helping the community, if it's creating a win-win situation, then great. I don't care what Eli Lilly's motives are. If it's helping the community, great. Now, as an investor, as an investor, oh my gosh, again, bells should be going off in your head. Why? Well, first of all, again, that tells you the corporation's doing well. Here's the second part of all this. Oh, here is where we become professionals. Here's where we, we really get stealth and we kick booty and take names, right? So... <clears throat> We do, as investors, understand, and this is why qualifying, this, this whole section, qualifying areas, is so huge. It's so huge. As investors, we do what I call, I refer to it as riding the coattails, riding the coattails. What does that mean, riding the coattails? Let me explain. So I don't know how many of you have heard of the McDonald's strategy of marketing, the McDonald's strategy of development. Let me explain what it is, right? And I'll explain it by starting with a question. How many of you have noticed that wherever you see a McDonald's, you, I mean, within a block or as close as possible Okay, To that McDonald's, you'll see a Burger King, Taco Bell, Hardee's, White Castle, uh, whatever. I mean, Carl's Jr., um, whatever, right? My point is this, and by the way, if you didn't notice this before, you'll notice it now, (laughs) right? My point is this, what's going on? Why is that happening? Well, here's the thing. McDonald's is known for the fact that before they will plop down a restaurant, and I use that term restaurant very loosely, (laughs) Um, before they'll plop one down in a neighborhood, they will do a ton of market research on that neighborhood to the tune of a lot of money. To determine what? Well, to determine if that neighborhood will support that McDonald's, right? I mean, it's just common sense. You're not going to put a business down in a neighborhood that you don't think is going to support it. So, knowing that, what do the other, quote unquote, restaurants do? Right. They ride the coattails. They find out where McDonald's is going, and they just get as close to them as possible. That's their strategy. It's a smart one, right? I, on that same note, I have a colleague who has been in this business for a very long time, and he literally goes by Starbucks. He literally finds out where the Starbucks are going in across the country, and he invests in those neighborhoods. Same reason. Think about that, right? I mean, wherever there's a Starbucks going in, they're going into neighborhoods where they know that someone can afford a $3 coffee or $4, $5, whatever it is now. I don't go to Starbucks. I don't... You know, I don't, I don't, I just don't spend three, four five dollars on a coffee. <laughs> I'm a cheapskate that way, right? I'll just make coffee at home. Um, you understand my point. So if that's what professionals are doing, why not, why not us? Why don't we do it, right? So what when we know that a, that a corporation or a, the city or whatever is dumping money into a particular part of the city re, to revitalize it, what should that be telling you? Right. Maybe you should look at take, maybe you should take a look at that neighborhood and getting involved and ride the coattails. I'll give you one more example of this. It was super cool. <clears throat> So one of the things that I do is I do what's called a um, on-site mentorship. So what does that mean? It means that I have students who have invested in me, well, really to the point, invested in themselves, right? To have me come out and spend two to three days with them in person, hands-on. I'm like, I'm literally... From soup to nuts, getting them up and running, getting their business going, and getting helping them get deals in the pipeline within those two or three days. I've never failed in doing that, and I've done over a hundred of, of those things. So one time we all met. There's a small group of us that met in Kansas City, Missouri. Another really solid market, by the way. Not Kansas City, Kansas. Kansas City, Missouri. So. While we were there, we actually went to the city. And I'm going to talk about this in a few moments. So hang on, right? Just hang on on. in a few moments. I'm going to get to this part. We went to the city to find out where the targeted redevelopment areas are, right? Where are the areas of the city that are targeted to be revitalized? Well, it's funny. There were six of us. And the, and, and the department, the the office that we went to for the city literally was probably the size of, I mean, maybe a really large bathroom. I'm not, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. <laughs> so we show up on, you know, unannounced, unexpected, completely blew them away. Right. And we just explained to them, hey, we're investors. We are looking to target neighborhoods to help revitalize those neighborhoods, right? And so what we do is we buy the, the broken down homes, fix them up, and get a nice family into them. Oh boy, I'm gonna tell you: no matter what city you go to, you have that conversation with you know people within the city, they're going to love you, right? They are going to love you. So they responded. Big time. How did they respond? It was awesome. So they they put us in this conference room down the hall and said, you know what? Hold tight. Wait here for a minute. We'll be right back. Okay, cool. So we sat there for a few minutes. They came back with these war room size maps, like color coded heat maps that showed where all the major development was being targeted throughout the city. It was crazy. I mean, and I mean, it couldn't have been any, they could not have made it any easier for us. Let's put it that way, right? So now that we knew where the areas were coming were basically on the rise, all we had to do is go find properties in those areas and go to work, okay? Okay. So that's my point. So bottom line is, again, number three is, number three. By the way, my students were stoked. Oh, my gosh. They, <laughs> they were just like, they, they were just had their jaws hanging on the ground, right? So here's the thing. Number three, what are the major industries, who are the major employers, and how are they doing financially? That's what you need to determine. Number four, development. Development, both current and future development. Okay. Current and future development. And by the way, we're looking at residential and commercial. We're looking at both. I'll give you another example. I, I, would like to use examples of what I'm talking about to really solidify in your mind what I'm talking what you know, what I'm, what I'm referring to. So that's why I'm doing all this. Now, you an example of this oh my gosh here's an extreme example las vegas nevada vegas baby (laughs) viva las vegas um vegas is booming booming and has been for the last handful of years and i don't see a slowdown anytime soon of course nobody has a crystal ball nobody can be 100 percent I'm just telling you based on this, what I'm talking about right now, I just don't see them slowing down anytime soon. Let me explain why when it comes to this example, number four, uh, development, residential commercial development, both future and current. So Vegas, okay, we all know Vegas, right? And I will tell you during the last real estate crash. Let's just call it what it is. I know the media likes to call it a correction. BS. It was a crash. Okay. When you see properties dropping as much as they did in certain markets around the country, I mean, that is a crash. That is not a correction. Give me a break. Right? So here's the thing. During the last real estate crash, yes, Vegas was for a while the top foreclosure market in the country. No argument, no doubt. Absolutely. By the way, that was the best time to buy into Vegas. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Savvy investors like us, we jumped into that market and we just started buying like it was a shopping spree. Why? Because prices were unbelievably low. Unbelievably low. You know, when everyone else was running out, we were running in. And by the way, that's a really good lesson. Really good lesson for you to learn you know, for success in this business. When others are running out, you should be running in, and vice versa. When others are running in, you should be cautious. Okay, Warren Buffett said it best. One of Warren Buffett's famous quotes. Now, granted, he was talking about something different. He wasn't talking about real estate, whatever. He was still talking about investing. It still applies. And his quote, his, his famous quote was this. When others are greedy, you should be fearful. When others are fearful, <clears throat> you should be greedy, okay? So the same thing applies to real estate. So when everyone else was panicking and Vegas was crashing and everyone was running out and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Vegas this, Vegas that, right? Savvy investors were buying up as much as they could, okay? It was ridiculous. And I'll tell you right now, A lot of investors made a lot of money during that time. So with that being said, let's talk about Vegas and let's talk about why it applies here. So yes, it crashed. Now, why did it crash? Because Vegas, up until the crash, really was a two-industry town. It was a two-industry town. We know one of them. I mean, I don't care if you've been there or not. You know what one of the industries were, right, or is, is right casinos gambling right shows the strip entertainment tourism I mean it's all wrapped together into one big bundle. And granted, what was the other what's the, what was the other industry construction construction and the strip. This is call it that right I mean because or gambling tourism whatever right. They tie in hand to hand. If you look at the history in Vegas, when Vegas is up, both of those industries are doing well. When Vegas is down, both those industries are not doing well. So, the challenge with a town that only has two major industries is that it 's not diversified it 's just like with anyone right if you 're not diversified and one of your investments takes a plunge, or if you only have one source of income right a job or whatever, and that go and you get laid off or the something happens or you get demoted or your salary gets cut or whatever right, and that 's the only income you have. What does that mean for you? Right? Well, it's the same thing with Vegas. That's a big reason why they crashed. So what did they do? They realized the leadership <clears throat> of the town realized from that that oh my gosh, we need to we need to diversify our town. We need to have more industries here. So what did they do? Well, They created all kinds of business-friendly credits and tax structures. and In other words, they made it very business-friendly to encourage more businesses, more industries to move to Vegas. And that's exactly what happened. Now Vegas is, I mean, in addition to construction and casinos, gambling, that's never going to go away, right? Well, in addition to that, you have a lot of high-tech companies there now. A lot of high tech. You have... It's actually a big, big, big town or big market for um, medical, uh, hospital, you know, like... Um, I'm trying to think of the word, but medical, basically. Okay? That's a major industry there now. And it just keeps more and more businesses keep moving there, essentially, to diversify that economy even more. A lot of them are moving out of California to go to Nevada, because California, as we all know, is not business-friendly. And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I'm not going to get political on here. Not going to happen, right? So bottom line is, though... So vegas has diversified their economy which is going to help them the next time we have a correction in the market which we will right market cyclical it goes up it goes down that's just the way it works so next time though i highly doubt you'll see as dramatic a fall in vegas why because they have a lot of different industries there now now that's the first example second example what else? What else do we need to know about Vegas? This is huge. This is huge. Um, up until about oh gosh, know, about two years ago, I think. I think it's been about two years ago. Vegas never had what? Never had a professional sports team. Never. Okay, the closest thing they had besides UNLV, and I think they have a a community college there, if I remember correctly, okay, so UNLV is there, they have the basketball team, the football team, whatever, but that's not professional, that's college, right, so the closest thing they had to a um, professional team was they have the AAA baseball team, the Las Vegas 51s, which I believe... I want to say they're the AAA affiliate of the Dodgers, although that might have changed recently. I don't remember, but whatever, okay? That was the closest thing they had to a professional sports team up until a couple years ago. What has happened over the last couple years, okay? Number one, boom, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. NHL professional hockey team, uh, expansion team, Starts is founded and begins in Vegas. We now have a professional hockey team in Vegas, right? Okay. Now you don't have to be a sports fan. You don't even have to be. You don't have to be a hockey fan. You don't have to be a sports fan to, to know or to understand that as an investor, this is a big deal. This is huge. Why? Well, when it when Vegas got the rights or won the rights to have a hockey team come to the city, what did they do? They built the T-Mobile Arena. They built a brand new arena so that you would so the hockey team would have somewhere to play. Where did they put the arena? They put it right on the strip, right? Now, granted, it's a multi-use arena. So in other words, it's used year-round for various events. Why is that a big deal? Well, first of all, in order to build the arena, what do you need? You need to offer jobs, right? So, for the time that it took to get that thing built, tons of jobs. Now, ongoing, again, tons of jobs. Why? Cuz you're going to need people to maintain the arena. You're going to there's vendors, there's I mean, there's all kinds of people working there around the clock, 24 seven, all year long to keep that thing up and running, right? So what did that do? That just put an infusion of money in the economy in the the sense of jobs, right? That's big time. What's the next thing that happened about a year or so ago, right? Boom, the announcement comes out, the, the Raiders, the Raiders, right, the Raiders, Moving from Oakland to Las Vegas, that was a bombshell. Let me tell you something. That, as big as it was that Vegas got the Golden Knights, the hockey team, getting the Raiders was a freaking bombshell. And again, doesn't matter if you're a sports fan, doesn't matter if you like football, or in my case, I'm a 49er fan. So I am morally obligated. <laughs> I am morally obligated to hate the Raiders, right? It just is. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. As an investor, oh my gosh, that's big time news. Why? Well, the Raiders basically said, you know what? We'll move to Vegas. We want a brand new football stadium. We want a brand new state-of-the-art football stadium. We are not gonna play at the stadium where the UNLV team plays, at the college. Not gonna happen. We want our own brand-new, state-of-the-art, mamma-jamma football stadium. So what happened? They got a $1 billion, billion with a B, billion-dollar stadium that's being built right now, just, just right there on the Strip, Okay, on the south part of the Strip. Don't believe me? Look it up. Oh my gosh, it's, I mean, the construction's already underway. It's happening. It's not talk. It's not theory. It's happening. Now, on top of that, that a huge part of it is being funded by Bank of America. Okay? So my point is this what does that mean? Again, it's an infusion of jobs for not only the construction, but then the maintenance and all the other events. Because again, I mean, let's let's look at the math. A professional football team, the NFL, they only play eight home games. So the Raiders are only going to be there for eight days or eight nights or whatever their schedule is out of the entire year, barring playoffs or anything like that, right? So What does that mean? Does it mean the stadium is just going to sit there empty for the rest of the year? No. They're going to use it for other events. It's going to be a multi-use stadium. Again, what does that mean? It means there's going to be ongoing, consistent jobs. Okay? And that, again, is just pumping money into the economy. Plus, here's my... Now, this is my own personal theory. I have no... I'm not basing this off of any facts other than I'm just... I'm going off of my own hypothesis, right? Vegas is known, and I actually lived all this, I'll just share this with you real quick. I actually lived in Vegas for three years before moving to San Diego. So I know a little bit about how things work out there. A Little bit, not, you know, I'm not an expert. I just know how things work out there a little bit. Now, what people do to, when they go to Vegas is they usually fly in on a th- Thursday or Friday. They'll stay the weekend and usually fly home Sunday. It's just how it is, right? So they fly in Thursday, fly in Friday, they party their uh, booties off, (laughs) if you will, and then they leave Sunday. Well, think about this for a second. When are the majority of NFL games? Sunday, right? Yeah, they have Thursday night, Saturday night, here and there, but the majority of NFL games are Sundays, So what is going to happen? Now, I'll tell you, when the Raiders made the announcement that they're moving from Oakland to uh, Las Vegas, you had a lot of Raider fans crying and whining about it, You know about the fact that they're moving. Bottom line is this, they are not going to lose any fan base. In fact, they're going to gain fan base. Why? Because now they've got a whole contingent in Las Vegas that are going to become Raider fans. Why? Because it's the home team now. In addition, check this out. I know for a fact I'm here in California and I'm originally from Northern California, not too far from Oakland. So I can tell you what I can tell you that from Oakland or from the Bay Area, let's just say the Bay Area, right? From the Bay Area, you can hop on a southwest flight and be in Vegas within an hour, hour and a half. It's like an hour to hour and a half flight. So what do you think these season ticket holders are going to do? Right. They're going to hop on a flight Friday afternoon, you know, maybe Friday morning, whatever. They're going to fly in for the weekend. They're not just going to fly in Saturday night to go to a Sunday game. That's not going to happen. Again, my theory, my belief, right? That's not what they're going to do. They're going to make a weekend of it. So they're going to fly in Friday night. They're going to party their booties off <laughs> all weekend long. They're going to go to the game on Sunday and then fly home Sunday night. That's what's going to happen. And again, as an investor, why does that set off like bells in my head? Because that means more money in the economy. This is my point, going back to number four. This is why residential commercial development, man, both future or current and future, this is why you need to know this. This is huge. This is huge. By the way, if you want to talk even one step further before we go to the last key indicator of an emerging market, before we go there, think about this. When a team decides to move, when the Raiders made the decision and it all got worked out for them to move, that was a good two, three years ago, right? Before they, you know, and obviously they haven't broken ground on a football stadium yet. However... It is announced, the location of the future football stadium is is announced before they ever break ground. Think about that. If you know a brand new $1 billion stadium is going into a certain neighborhood, certain area of the city, what should you probably do immediately? Right you should look at the adjacent neighborhoods. Look at the surrounding neighborhoods to see what kind of properties, what kind of inventory there is there. And if I were you, I would be looking to see what kind of investments I can make there. Because when you have a brand new state-of-the-art football stadium going in like that in a neighborhood, what is that gonna do to property values in that neighborhood? Hello, it's going to skyrocket, right? just is what it is. Look at the stats. So there you go. So number four key indicator of an emerging versus declining market is development. And that brings us to number five. Number five, I just refer to, I I refer to as culture. I call it culture. What's the culture of the market? Okay, now what do I mean by culture? What I mean is, in a more simplistic way, is what is there to do in that city? What is there to do? Like, what amenities are there? Okay? Nobody's going to move. I shouldn't say nobody. The majority of people want to live where there's things to do. Now, yes, there's a small percentage of people out there who are hermits, (laughs) you know, who are whatever. They just want to live out in the middle of nowhere and and do that kind of thing, right? Uh, you've seen it on TV, those people up in Alaska, I forgot the name of the TV show, but you know, people up in Alaska want to live out in the middle of nowhere, right? Well, think about that. How many houses do you see up there during those shows? You see maybe a handful. Why? Because the majority of people want to live where there's things to do. So when I say culture, I mean like sports, uh, art, uh, music, uh, I don't know, you name it right? Uh, you just name it, like things to do, outdoor stuff to do, uh, you know, movies, uh, you know, I, you know what I'm getting at. You, you get my point, right? So what are there, what is there to do? So you want to look at that. You want to make sure that there's a nice diverse culture of amenities, of things for people to do to keep them entertained, right? Because if not, people aren't going to be moving there. It's just, they just won't. They're going to go somewhere where there's more, a more vibrant city. Okay? So those are the key indicators of an emerging market. That's what you want to be looking for. Now, how do you find out all this information? Because I already can, I can hear the question coming at me. Great, Jay. That's a lot of good information to look up. Where do we look it up? <laughs> No problem. Uh, What you're going to do is you're going to find and look up, and it's really easy to do, the city planning and development department. The city planning and development department of that city. Okay, so if you're looking at Las Vegas, you're going to be looking up city of Las Vegas, city planning and development department. If you're looking at Kansas City, Missouri, you're looking at Tampa, Florida, you're looking at Dallas, Texas, you're looking at Sacramento, California, whatever, you're going to look for the city planning and development department and you can find it on Google. It's really that easy, right? And specifically what you want to do is you want to look at, you want to look for, because every city has one, the comprehensive plan for that market. Okay, the comprehensive plan for that market. This is the long-term, I'm gonna say long-term tentative plan for the city, for the neighborhoods, meaning that things could change, just that right now, that's what they have in mind as far as like development, revitalization, all that good stuff, right? That's where it is. And that'll give you an idea of the areas that are being targeted for revitalization. Okay? And then finally, once you've determined that the market is emerging, let's just say that you, you were researching a city, you looked at those key indicators, and you've determined that, yeah, there's some stuff going on here, man. This is an emerging market. What's the next step? The next step is to identify, I would say to, you know to get started Two to three neighborhoods. So you've determined that, let's just, let's just pick a random city just for an example. Let's say you've determined that uh, Birmingham, Alabama is an emerging market and you've decided you're going to jump in and invest there. Great. You do not, as a professional investor, you don't just invest all over the city haphazardly you have to focus in and pick two or three, or identify, I should say, two to three neighborhoods, okay? Two to three neighborhoods and become experts of those neighborhoods. For example, in Indianapolis, there's only, I've been investing in Indianapolis since 2005, okay? I've been, so in other words, about 14 years. I only pick, I only invest in four neighborhoods in Indianapolis, that's it, four neighborhoods. And by the way, because I, I'm focused and I picked and I identified those four neighborhoods and I've just been focused on those neighborhoods, I am an expert. I know more about those neighborhoods and I know this for a fact because I, I've actually had conversations with people who live there, okay? So I know more about those neighborhoods than the people who live in those neighborhoods. <laughs> Okay, that's what, I want you, that's what I want for you to do. So identify two to three neighborhoods and become experts in those neighborhoods. Now, what are you, how are you determining which neighborhoods to pick? Simple, it's the same criteria as with the city. You're gonna pick emerging neighborhoods. In other words, the hot neighborhoods. What neighborhoods are people moving into? What neighborhoods are considered like prestigious? What neighborhoods are considered, uh, you know, where where people want to live? Right, that's what you're looking for. And in the next episode. Part of that process is you're going to be tapping into people locally who are in the industry, part of your power team. Next episode, that's exactly what we're going to talk about is how to identify, locate, screen and put together and manage your teams, right? Well, one of the criteria is that these are people who are local to that market, and they know where the good neighborhoods are versus the declining neighborhoods. Okay, you're going to use the same criteria as when you were identifying the city. Okay, where are people moving in as as opposed to moving out? Uh, where are the major industries in in relation to those neighborhoods? What are the major anchors of that neighborhood? Meaning amenities like restaurants, restaurants. Um, is stores, malls, that kind of thing, okay? You want to find those neighborhoods that have good, solid anchors. And when I say good, solid anchors, let's take it one step further. So again, in addition to the key indicators of emerging versus declining, you want to also find a, a neighborhoods, again, that have good anchors, so when I say restaurants, I'm talking like good, you know, nice family style restaurants, not some, you know, not, not necessarily like some, I don't know how else to put it. I'm just going to say it like a ghetto restaurant. Okay. If we're talking malls, we all know that there, there are nice malls out there. There's medium, like middle of the road malls out there, and then there's some ghetto malls out there, right? It just is what it is. I don't, I mean, it's not, I'm not criticizing. I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm just being transparent. I'm just being, it is what it is, right? So we want to try to stay away from the ghetto stuff, right? We don't want to necessarily be investing in neighborhoods where, You know, there's, there's a nail salon on every street corner, right? There's uh, you know, <laughs> you, know you, you want a Starbucks as opposed to a, you know, some old school like donut shop or something. You know what I mean? Like, you, you get my point. You don't necessarily want to be in a neighborhood where there's a liquor store on every corner. I mean, it, we, we, you get what I'm saying, okay? By the way, you can do all of this research, without ever stepping foot in that market. Okay, I mentioned before, um, I'll say it again. I, in my 16 years now, 16 years in this business, I've invested in 11 different markets around the country. And I have bought and sold homes without ever seeing them in person. How am I able to do that? And I'm, by the way, and I have, I invest in markets that I haven't been to in years. How am I able to do that? because the research can be done online. All of it can be done online and by putting together that power team, which is the next episode we're gonna be covering together. How to find, well, first of all, who is your power team, right? Who is your power team? How do you find them? How do you screen them? And how do you manage them? When you put that all together, there's absolutely no reason, you'll, you'll, you'll discover, there's no reason for you to go hop on a plane and fly across the country to go look at these houses. What a waste of time and what a waste of money. Now, for some of you, I know that that's going to be a real stretch. I have coached and mentored you know, students since 2005, and there's always a percentage of them who just have this thing in their head, like, I'm, I have to see the house. I have to touch it. I have to smell it. I have to taste it, <laughs> right? Why? Why? For what? What are you looking at? What is the point? You're not going to live in it. Think about that for a second. Let me give you an analogy. For those of you who have stocks or mutual funds or whatever, how many of you have flown to New York to look at your stocks, right? Kind of a silly question. In my mind, going to look at a house is just as silly when you have the team in place and when you have this research piece in place on how to qualify areas and how to qualify neighborhoods, okay? So... Last thing I want to leave you with, and then we'll wrap up. How important is it to be an emerging versus declining market? I'm telling you right now, this is one of the areas that will make or break your business. And I say this because one of the common mistakes I see people making is that they they get blinded by price, especially California investors right? I mean, I can take you to markets. Like, for example, I'm buying a house right now in Indianapolis for $32,000. Okay? Now, for some of you, depending on where you live, that may not sound like a big deal. But for those of us in California, $32,000 doesn't even buy a kitchen out here, <laughs> let alone a whole house, right? So, a common mistake I see people making is they get blinded by the price. They see a house that's considered, that they consider to be cheap, right? And they think to themselves, well, how can I go wrong? I mean, it's got to be a good deal. Look how cheap it is. I mean, heck, I can take you to markets where you can buy houses for $500. And I'm not exaggerating. There are houses right now for sale in certain markets for $500. I wouldn't touch those with a 10-foot pole, okay? So here's how important this is. If the market is not an emerging, qualified market, you couldn't give me a house or property in that market for free. I wouldn't take it for free if it's not in a qualified, emerging market. If it's in a declining market, I am walking. I don't care what the price is. Why? Because if you are in a declining market, you're gonna have a heck of a time trying to sell the property, You're going to have a heck of a time trying to rent the property. Heck, I'll tell you right now, you'll have a heck of a time even just trying to rehab the darn thing without having a ton of vandalism, a ton of theft. Heck, I mean, there are are neighborhoods and there are cities where I've had contractors flat out say that they won't even go into because they'd have to hire somebody to sit in their truck all day and all night to make sure that nobody's stealing their tools, those, I'm telling you, stay out. Stay out. You want to be in emerging middle to upper scale neighborhoods. I'm just, or not scale. That's not a good way. I, that sounded bad. You understand what I mean? Middle to upper income neighborhoods, right? That are emerging. That's where you want to focus. All right. All right. Well, thank you all. That's all I have for today. Uh, Next episode, we will be talking about that power team, how to find them, screen them, put them together, and manage them because that is how you're going to grow this thing to scale. So until next time, this is Hardball Real Estate with JK, helping you hit home runs in your real estate business. Until next time.